0: Merry Christmas I don't want to fight tonight with Merry Christmas I don't want
1: Hello and welcome back for another festive installment of A Very Daily Christmas. I'm Ryan Daly and joining me once again, otherwise the title wouldn't make much sense, is My Brother Neil Daly. Merry Christmas, bro. (laughs) Ho ho hello. Last year, listeners, you probably know that we released a Very Daily Christmas Volume 1, which was originally on the FW Presents feed, since that was the catch all feed for shows that didn't really have another home on this network. <laughs> since then, partially because of the response we got to a Very Daily Christmas Volume 1, we created Fire and Water Records, the music focused anthology show for the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And now, if you want to go back and listen to Volume 1 of A Very Daily Christmas, you can find it on the Fire and Water Records feed. Now, it needs to be said that the response to Volume 1 was far greater than we expected. And I am somebody who is used to expecting greatness from, you know, my (laughs) But I I think you will agree with me. I mean, it was just great to get, like, the feedback of people mentioning how unexpectedly delighted they were, both in the topic and in how we approached it.
2: Yeah, I got to tell you, I mean, I I really, I think we kind of both approached it as almost like it was like a glamour project for the two of us. Mm -hmm. And it was good. That was kind of, you know, we had stories to share, but I couldn't imagined the kind of I I could have never imagined the response that we got from other people that were that actively said oh my god this is great you guys reminded me of this and now we want to listen to this and we discover new songs and then people just sharing memories and stuff it honestly the feedback was phenomenal and I think we kind of I mean I gotta admit we sometimes have a tendency to outkick our coverage so to speak you know we dream big and so you know by doing a very daily Christmas and labeling it volume one right off the bat means you have to follow it up you know this isn't like rocky and then there's a rocky two and then someday they they like rocky one wasn't rocky one it was just rocky because he knows if he was going to do another one we knew right off the bat that we're doing we're doing multiple episodes of these so i think you know we kind of painted ourselves into a corner and the reality is, because of the viewer feedback alone, I, I'm I'm ecstatic and that's it's it's these things are only gonna get bigger and better.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, we're not like one of those super bands that releases Greatest Hits Volume One and Greatest Hits Volume Three.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're no Billy Joel. <laughs>
1: And, and yeah, and, and part of the feedback, and I, I think what we were was to do was we, you know, we asked our listeners to submit your favorite Christmas songs, and we got a mm-hmm. ton of great responses to that. This year, I'm, we're we're gonna own it a little bit. We weren't quite as on the ball as we had hoped. Uh, we, we did kind of mention that you know sometime in September we might you know mention what the <laughs> theme was going to be and people could participate in that. Uh, we, we didn't do that. Uh, scheduling was a little rough for us in the beginning of the fall. But, yeah,
2: success went to our head.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, since we're only doing a couple of songs each, like we're still just in the group of songs that have a special significance to us. We haven't really gotten to that point where we need to break it up by themes yet. Who knows if we'll get to that next year or not. Uh, There's still just such a, a weird eclectic mix that who knows how long.
2: But Yeah, and, and I I will say, too, that, you know, in addition to that, I, I think I, I kind of, I'm a self-proclaimed Christmas music genius you know like i (laughs) i I consider myself like the professor of all this stuff and we talked about this last year about my numerous numerous playlists depending on genre and stuff but i gotta admit the nice thing about having the listener responses and the feedback in the comments was that i actually discovered a couple new gems that maybe i've forgotten about or maybe i hadn't heard before so but the making of this show being interactive with our audience has been phenomenal and i've downloaded some new tracks that i didn't have before so thank you to the listeners
1: yeah, me too, me too. Um, and to really show our appreciation, listeners, later on in this episode, we're actually going to spotlight a handful of the suggestions that we got from the feedback last episode. So,
2: And at midnight, we'll be giving away $1 million. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that, that's not binding. <laughs> So before we get into our list of songs for this episode, I do want to give a quick shout-out to the people who left comments on the Fire & Water website for last episode. They included Chris Franklin, Rob Kelly, David Gutierrez, Nathaniel Wayne, Chris Lewis, Gothos Mansion, Brian Linton, Siskoid, who doesn't even like Christmas, but he said he enjoyed the episode, <laughs> uh, and Ben Perlman. <laughs> Nathaniel actually charged us. He came. He challenged us. I should say, with coming up with a non-holiday song that reminds us of the holidays, or a holiday song that doesn't really get enough credit. And I thought about that. The only one for like a non-holiday song that reminds us, I, I guess, just recently, like some of the songs from the movie Frozen, um, mm. like "Let It Go" and "Do You Want to Build a Snowman." May, maybe just because they're topical to a sort of winter or snowy or icy theme. I mean. Honestly, the John Williams track for the Battle of Hoff puts me in the same mind. So maybe it's just <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Well, there's also, you know, I, I think I don't think it was on a Christmas collection, but Sarah Borelli's released a song called Winter Song mm. and it's just about the bleakness of winter, but it doesn't reference jingle bells or reindeer or anything. It's just it's just a winter song. So or anything by Billy Holiday. But um boom.
1: Uh, the additional likes that we got on the last episode on the Facebook post came from Derek William Crabb, Max Romero, Pat Sampson, Mike Gillis, Clinton Robinson, Sean Myers, Martin Gray, Patrick Delmore, Terry O'Malley, Debesh, Ivan Chudley, Brian Ing, Sean Brock, and Chuck Rodriguez.
2: <laughs> we are so popular.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving into uh, this year's tracks. The one that you heard open up this episode is Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight by The Ramones. This was from their album Brain Drain in 1989. It's the last song on the album. It was written by Joey Ramone. And this is almost kind of in inversion of what Nathaniel was asking <laughs> because it is technically a Christmas song. But for me, it doesn't necessarily feel that way. I think you can strip... Basically the Christmassy lyrics out of it, and it's just a Ramones song. This is a song that I have no trouble playing in July, in April, any <laughs> any time of the year. It's just it goes on my Ramones playlist. But I did want to feature it as a as a Christmas song one because I love the song. I just it's got a great hook, it's got a great <laughs> riff. But this one was a song that I I heard of it because I was a Ramones fan and I had like their their playlists and everything. But I heard this a couple of years, maybe ten years ago now, while I was shopping with Angie like in whatever department store or something, and i I don't know if we were fighting if we were in a bad mood or something, but this song came on over the p a and it just felt really poignant, and I was just like, hmm, yeah, it's just it always like for some reason it stuck with me for that,
0: but yeah.
2: That's awesome. Well, once again, I mean, I know I hope our listeners aren't getting tired of this recurring theme, but you and I are very in sync on our thought process on these. We really are. Without having had this discussion previously, I, re- I I thought the same thing about the sound and tone of this song, and it made me kind of realize that most modern rock bands that do new original Christmas songs they kind of fall into two categories. There's usually the bands that try to conform their style into a Christmas song. Or there's those that try to conform a Christmas song into their style, if you know what I mean. Like it, the band either tries to sound Christmassy or the band tries to make a Christmas song sound like them. Right. That's what I'm saying. So this one is very much like you mentioned. This song doesn't sound anything like a Christmas song. This <laughs> sounds like a Ramon song. This is absolutely a Ramon song. They just wrote Christmas in the lyrics. <laughs> and then even, you know, this is, in very Ramones, very punk style, I mean, lyrically, Don't read into it, folks. You're not, you know. I mean, it's (laughs) lyrically, it's 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 like a third grader could have wrote that. As as most of the lyrics to a lot of the Ramones songs, but that's not what they were about, though. The message is still, it's they were punk, they were anti-establishment, anti everything, and this is them kind of turning turning their heads on a Christmas happy go lucky wonderful time of year type theme and saying now let's make it let's make it angry and, and do some <laughs> punk with it ironically though this i mean i love this song i love the selection and i think like i you know i don't have much more to say other than what you said which is just this is just a ramon song it's a good and <laughs> ramon song so you know this i don't even know where this is i i added since we did this discussion last year i added an eighth playlist now i have i have now a whopping eight and because now what i've started to do was segregate the uh the more recent modern ones to, into rock bands because with this song there's all kinds of stuff like buck cherry did an original like there's all kinds of new like hard driving rock ones and even some one of the ones that you're going to talk about later on so i found like it's really interesting so now i'm just i'm stripping away the new ones I'm separating pop from rock because there's a lot of rock bands. Pearl Jam, you know, there's all these people. Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots did one, so this one, uh, this one makes a brand new playlist for me. <laughs> nice.
1: Well, I mean, it is maybe my second favorite Ramon song. So <laughs> song. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and you're and you're not gonna guess my first one. I bet. Oh God.
2: I, if it was up to me, I'd say I want to be sedated. But
1: I, I knew that I knew that you were going to guess that one. That's why I. That's why I said you weren't going to guess because it, right. it. it's actually Bonzo goes to Bitburg, also known as My Brain Is Hanging Upside Down.
2: You know, I I I, I got to be honest with you. I challenge our listeners to actually name five Ramon songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those bands you hear them a lot, you know them all, and they all kind of sound the same, and nobody knows what the hell the titles are. So.
1: <laughs> you know what? Insert a name, and then is a. Insert another noun. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. It's almost like, really. I, I wonder if they were, I wonder if the band played Mad Libs in that publicist.
1: All right, moving on to uh, our list proper. What is your first selection for A Very Daily Christmas, Volume 2?
2: Okay, so my first selection for this. first of all, let me remind our listeners the way we kind of formatted the last year's episode and this year's episode is that i want to I want to pre-emphasize that these are in no way shape or form our five favorite christmas songs of all time these are very random very sporadic we're just kind of getting the groove going and eventually we'll break down into themes like you mentioned before but these are these are just five great christmas songs that are cover the whole scope of things so genre be damned we're just kind of all over the map on this so the first song from my list is my grown-up christmas list this one by michael buble
0: well i am all grown up Can you still help somehow? I'm not a child, but my heart still can dream. So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list. Not for myself, but for a world. No more lies torn apart. That wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts. Every man would have a friend. That right would. And love would never end This is my grown
2: The thing about this song was and, and we touched on this a lot last year, so I'm not going to I'm not going to reiterate in too much detail. The fact that there's kind of a tendency to gear towards melancholy, slow, sad, lonely type of themes like those type of I, I'm, I'm just I, I keep gravitating towards the lonely or the blue Christmas kind of thing. So ballads are a big hit for me anyway. But this one written by David Foster was actually, I think it was first sung by Nat King or Natalie Cole, the daughter of Nat King Cole, and later I, the big hit. This this one made a bigger name for itself with Barbara Streisand. I think most people probably are familiar with that one. And I first heard the song, God, two thousand three, I think, um, when Kelly Clarkson sang it on American Idol. And I think that was honestly probably the first time that I ever heard this song and I loved it. And I didn't know it was a hit before then I had to research it after that, but I loved it immediately. It's a simple jazz ballad, very David Foster, but it's, it's got, it's, it's a plea to the world for to make the world a better place. It's a little bit of, you know, it's got hints of John Lennon or or what Christmas means to me. And so like some of these things about just, you know, not asking for material gifts because I've got plenty of songs that talk about those, <laughs> But this one, this one just there was something very, I don't know. It's it was apropos of a lot of my life, my lifestyle at least, which is you're never too old to dream. Don't grow out of your childhood, you know, the Peter Pan kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it other than this song. I, I listen to it and it touches me. It kind of moves me and it reminds me like what's important.
1: It's a beautiful song. Uh, I, I love the the composition of the song and I particularly like this version, which I'll admit. I had never heard this version until you recommended it for this one, like, once we started researching. I was more familiar with the Streisand version, and I think I knew the Natalie Cole one, too. And nothing against their versions of those singers, but, like, I never really picked up on the song, or it never really connected with me. Um, but I started listening to this version, and I love this. This is a great version. Like, he's just, he, his voice, it touches on a, a kind of sadness, a somberness... But I think, as you mentioned, it, there there is a plea for something and a hope for for better, and it's it's just it's beautiful. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. that's all I'll say. It's just beautiful.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. And then just to kind of piggyback on that too, the one thing it's 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 really interesting that Michael Bublé became as popular and, and big as he has because there's just no one else really out there doing what the what the Rat Pack did, you know, the Sammy Davis Jr., the Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. Like, there's just no one else doing that and I don't know if many other people could do that. I mean, it's not like even with Michael Bublé's success, it's not like there's a whole bunch of copycats running out and trying to do it. Yeah. So it's just it's really interesting that he is just just capitalized. he's he's like that old school 1950s crooner and he just kills the song. So I agree with you. This is this is definitely like just it's a beautiful song but this is the best version.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So next on my list A great big sled by the
0: killers. This song was released as an iTunes
1: single in 2006, and all the proceeds for the downloads went to AIDS relief as part of uh, Bono's Project Red campaign that was big at that time. I remember remember that, yeah. Yeah. The first iPad I ever got was an iPad Nano that was red. Uh, I got it as a Christmas gift, actually. (laughs) Nice. The Killers have released six Christmas songs. Uh And I love this song, but as much as I like it, like, this isn't in my top three of those six. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, I really like some of the other ones. But I did want to mention this one because, uh, so, yeah, this one connects me and my wife. Uh Angela, when she was in school, she worked at the Santa's Village theme park.
2: Uh <laughs> And it... It left
1: some lasting damage on her.
2: I mean, any anybody... <laughs> I did not know that. I'm yeah. sorry. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. I,
1: I don't think a lot of people have fondness for the jobs they had when they were 15 and 16 years old. But uh, if if you do, bless you. That, <laughs> lucky you. But uh, she certainly doesn't. And the fact that she had to hear, she had to dress as an elf while hearing the <laughs> same or... <laughs> No, she wasn't an elf. Her cousin was an elf. She was like one of Santa's workers or something in the workshop or something. It doesn't matter. She was dressed in a ridiculous costume and she had to hear these same Christmas songs over and over and over again. And it was the old standards, the ones that a yeah, lot of yeah. people hear and they kind of, they grow tired of. She heard those every minute, every hour for like eight hours a day under just like these dismal soul crushing conditions. I mean, in terms of working at a theme park yeah. in Vermont. Well,
2: this is, this is exactly why Vince Vaughn flipped out in Fred Claus, the movie, when he had, <laughs> when, he, had, when yeah. he attacked Ludacris. Yeah.
1: So, for that reason, when we first got together, and I'm sharing her my Christmas songs and my playlist and everything, she has like this, you know, like, her <laughs> eye starts twitching, and I think she's going to have a stroke or something, because she hates this stuff, and I was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to overcome This might be irreconcilable differences here, but this song this was like the first song that she could really key into that was really just a rock song sprinkled with Christmas dust or something like that. Uh, So based on that, I was able to cultivate a playlist of some of our more modern Christmas hits, like the kinds that we were talking about, Yeah, um, that aren't you know, like that aren't the old standards that, you know, our parents grew up with in the sixties and seventies and eighties. Right. Some more of the new stuff. And she, she, that was sort of like what, what did it. And this was one of the first songs that she heard that she really liked. So for that, it has a, a special place in my heart.
2: Well, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's really funny. Um, I I didn't know that about Angie, which is great, because now I can understand a little bit more of your even infatuation with the show Cheers, because Shelley Long had that eye twitch thing. So there there he goes. Well, we're cross-promoting shows here. (laughs) Cheers cast nearly every Thursday on the Fire and Water Network. (laughs) <laughs> um, no, the, I, I love this song too And I'm actually glad you picked this Out of the killer songs Because I thought you were going to go completely off book And do like a, the Don't Shoot Santa thing
1: No, that's my least favorite
2: Good, good Because I thought you were going to do that just to be funny This one is actually a really, really good song And the thing I love about this In a weird way, this is, like I said about the Ramones If you strip the sleigh bells and the giant church bells Out of the chorus of this song a Great Big Sled It kind of just sounds like a killer song like mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, you know, we, you know, in another podcast, we'll talk about how like the smashing pumpkin song, Christmas time sounds like a Christmas song. You yeah. know what I mean? That doesn't sound like a pumpkin song. It sounds like a Christmas song. This is just another example. This is an example of these guys made a Christmas song out of their own style and they did it. What I like about this, and maybe I'm, maybe I picked up a subconscious theme here that I wasn't intending on, but the lyric to the song, they kind of touched me on again. It's, it's an adult looking back and being nostalgic about childhood it feels like it, it, it i don't know if you made this connection it feels like a springsteen song to me in a in a lot of ways because he's like talking about the neighborhood and the kids in the neighborhood and what what happens as they grow up and stuff there's a lot of old springsteen in this now i i just you know like i said about the other about Um, my grown up Christmas list. This song kind of the message connects to me the most on a deeper level, because it's about trying to reclaim that innocence you had as a child on Christmas morning. And I just my favorite line in the song that really gets to me, the tearjerker line for me is when when Brandon Flower sings, I want to relearn what I already know. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 just moved. Oh, God, that gets me. That's like tugging at the heartstrings. That's that gets me right there.
1: Yeah, uh, so two things. The the lyric for me that really the first time I heard it that like landed like a thud on me um is right from like the first verse or something when he says little boys have action toys for brains. Yep. Um and I'm sure if he's listening to this episode Chris Franklin can appreciate that one. Um but it, it, oh god, it's it, again, it's crazy that you said this but I have, over the last couple of years, I have kind of been slowly cultivating a separate playlist that is non-Bruce Springsteen songs that sound like Bruce Springsteen songs. Um, and there's actually a killer song on there. It's a song called Runaway. Um, it's, it's not a Christmas song, but it's like, I, I heard that when I was like, this could be a Springsteen song. Or it definitely feels like that influence. But All right, buddy, what do you got next?
2: Okay, so next I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it old school. Let's bring it back to one of my favorite genres of Christmas, going back to the big band sound, the post-World War II era. And I'm gonna go with Everybody's Waiting for the Man with the Bag by K-Star.
0: Old Mr. Kringle is soon gonna jingle the bells that'll tingle all your troubles away. Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag, cause Christmas is coming again. He's got a sleigh full, it's not gonna stay full He's got stuff to drop at every stop of the way Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag Cause Christmas is coming again He'll be here With the answer to the prayers that you've made through the year You're good, he'll make this December the one you remember.
2: So this song was written in 1950. So it is, again it falls into like my kind of my big band era. Um, it's it's pre-Motown, post-World War II era. So it's one of my many, many playlists. But this version is spectacular. I mean it's very timeless. It it sounds, you know, there's been a lot of there's been a resurgence on a lot of the Christmas songs I like to kind of recapture that sound. I know like we've talked ad nauseum about the very special Christmas combinations or uh, collections and you know one of the Frank Sinatra with Cindy Lauper did that whole thing and there's a lot of these like kind of bring back the big band sound with horns and all this stuff and even Jesse J British pop star Jesse J uh, has done a a fantastic version of this particular song it's it's awesome but the only downside is it's spot on. It's a, it's a note for note recreation in every sense of the word. So I, you know, I, I, you know, it's great, but it's one of those where you can't, if you can't knock off the original, don't try, you know, do something different. But this version, when I think of this, I think of, energy and shopping and running out to the stores and, and just being like the hustle and bustle of holidays. Like, you know, I've, I've got my ballads and my slow, like, you know, my themes where I like lonely walking around at Christmas, feeling sorry for yourself stuff. And then I've got my jazz where it's like, I like the Christmas lights and candles and a glass of wine and slow dancing in front of the tree. And then there's the hustle and bustle songs. And this is one of those, this is just, this just gets me amped. It gets me going.
1: I, I am right there with you. My first thought for this one was this should be, if it isn't already, the opening montage of a movie. <laughs> and we a weird place that my head has been at lately for like the last week as I've been listening to this song, if I could make anything, I would actually set this as the opening montage of a Superman movie. I would make a Superman movie where he is flying around doing good deeds like at Christmas time or something bringing toys to orphanages and stuff like that and doing all these like charitable wow. things or whatever, with this song kind of running as as the background for like the first 2 minutes of a Superman movie or something just to kind of set the stage of who Superman is in the world what he represents what the world thinks about him basically washing the taste of man of steel out of everybody's mouth
2: Yeah um, yeah that's deep that's that's really deep i kind of dig that i kind of dig that you know i i forgot to mention this my i think well it's not the first time i heard the song because i'm sure this was on radio when we were kids and stuff but this kind of it kind of resurfaced in 2000 in the ally mcbeal christmas episode oh and that's where i think shonda rhimes no not shonda rhimes who who was it her that did no that's that's
1: the producer it's um Shutter Rhymes of the Producer. Uh, Shonda McIntyre? No.
2: No, Vonda. Vonda Shepard. Vonda Shepard. <laughs> yes. Vonda Shepard w- sang this at a Christmas party on an Ally McBeal Christmas party in in an episode. It actually ac- appeared in the episode. And I just, I loved it. And it kind of reminded me, damn, that's a good song. And that was one of those, this was one of those, I mean, we're going back in 2000. This was when, I, I mean, I... What did we have for downloading music? I think it was Audio Galaxy and Napster and yeah whatever there wherever else we found like free music and stuff. But this one I had to dig for because I I was surprised that not me, not my our family, nobody had this in a collection. Like this was a song that I actually had back in 2000. Now it's easy. But back in 2000, I remember being like this is kind of a hard song to find and it shouldn't be because this is absolutely awesome.
1: All right. Uh, before we go on to the next song on my list, um, because we had a lot of fun and people were kind of asking us more about sort of our Christmas memories. Uh, <laughs> so I, I kind of want to bring up this topic, thinking about favorite Christmas memories, think, favorite Christmas stories. And I've got one particular story that I'll come back to. But thinking about the season of giving, and especially gift giving and gift receiving, which was always a, a favorite part of the holiday of Christmas. Um, I, I certainly have a lot of memories about getting good gifts at Christmas. Um, you should. <laughs> <laughs> did I benefit more than you did at Christmas time? Maybe. <laughs> I'll tell my side of the story, and you, if you have a response, you can you can counter it. I think um, that sounds great. <laughs> So within the Daily Family, there are a couple of Christmas stories. One of them that is often retold is how I was very sickly as a child, uh, constantly getting sick. And, and when I got sick, it knocked my ass out. Yeah. Um. And in particular, uh, was a bad, I guess, just flu or something that I got. I don't remember. It would have been Christmas of 1984. Uh, I know that year in particular. Um and I had to basically spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in the hospital,
2: which meant we did.
1: Um, basically, I was I was so dehydrated I couldn't keep anything down. They had to feed me. They had to put intravenous uh, tubes in me in order to keep me hydrated. Mm -hmm. And everything. Everybody was worried. Mom and Dad, you know, thought that I was going to die on Christmas or something. They were freaking out because I I was. I I wasn't worried. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, you weren't. You're like, what do we do with his room? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Christmas Eve was kind of like bleak, and then I, I think, you know. You and Dad came back to the hospital Christmas Day, Christmas morning, and I'm standing on my bed dancing and partying, like entertaining the nurses, you know, oh, yeah. whatever. So having a party, um, but I just remember getting my Christmas gifts on on Christmas Day at the hospital in my hospital bed, and it was 1984, so I got a bunch of Transformers because that was the year Transformers came out, um, and I know that we already had a couple because I I think you had a couple even if you weren't playing with them at the time, like they were just sort of yours because you had Jazz. And I think Skywarp. We each had an Autobot and a Decepticon. Yeah. <laughs> and I got Prowl and Thundercracker. Yes. And then for this Christmas, I think I got Mirage, Sideswipe, Trailbreaker, somebody else. But I think I got five, but I remember one of them was Hound, the green G. Yes. Yep. And Hound did not make it out of the hospital. <laughs> something nope. Like, I I really, I honestly, I don't remember getting him. I was told that we had him later on and that we left him behind. But, uh, yeah. like, somehow he got left behind. So for my, you know, childhood, I always thought Hound was one of them that I didn't have.
2: <laughs> right, right. And that broke my heart. Um. Okay, well, let me jump in. First of all, it, it, God, I, I think it's amazing that you actually remember which Transformers you got. The years kind of blend together, but for some reason... I feel like you got Ratchet that year, the ambulance. And the only reason I think that, and I could be wrong, but the only reason I think that is because I think Dad and I made fun of the fact that you got a Transformer that was an ambulance, and you ended up in the <laughs> hospital. I, that's that's why it stuck with me. So I feel like, like, oh, Ratchet took you to the hospital. I mean, you were <laughs> two, so of course we're like, you know, we had to play it up and blah, blah, blah. I think what's really, really cool about this was you actually, I mean, this was the only Christmas that you were hospitalized, but you had a couple years in a row where you got very sick at Christmas. This wasn't a one-time thing. And I, I, honestly, I mean, now looking back, I think we all kind of agree that you were way ahead of the curve and realized I can get out of doing family stuff this way. <laughs> and so Ryan, you had self-induced illnesses and it was brilliant. I mean, I don't know how you got your body to dehydrate the way you did, but you looked like a skeleton. I mean, you looked so gaunt and so withdrawn. Like it was, I mean, God, I mean, I think that might have inspired me to want to do makeup for Halloween after seeing you at Christmas because it was, it was like you looked like a dead kid, so it was it was wild. But I do remember, I remember very well this particular Christmas. And actually, you know, it, you know, to carry this forward onto a, like a much bigger, broader subject, I thought what was really cool was, you know, our 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 stations in life as kids were a little bit different. You know, when I was, we're we're. Some years apart, and I'm not gonna. It's not important how many. But you know, our our parents' financial situation had drastically improved by the time you were born. So I didn't get the luxury of having multiple gifts at Christmas. I would get like maybe one or two things, and it was cool. But also, toys they sucked then. You know, I mean, I I remember. I think I got like a. You know, like a Steve Steve Austin Bionic Man doll or something. And it was like, it was just dumb. You know, you could look (laughs) through the back of his head and pretend that he had x-ray vision or something. It was, you know, they weren't, they just weren't cool yet. So anyway, the reason I bring that up is because then with you and with your childhood and playing forth the whole concept of Christmas and Santa's coming and you gotta be good and all this stuff. It was and and I remember mom was very no, I should I should say you We're very, very good at telling mom, I can't get this if Neil doesn't get this. And it was brilliant on your part because you always knew what gift you wanted that I wouldn't have. (laughs) So you, I mean, you did this with mom one time too. Like you gave her a CD that she had no interest in, and you were like, Well, can I have it then? And it was (laughs) this was a Ryan staple. Like you picked this out at two years old. You were that good at this. Brilliant, brilliant kid. But the cool thing was, you know, I mean, I, I mean, you were very adamant about making sure that you didn't get more than more than I did. And that was something that you were very fair about or we thought. So mom ended up then having to buy, you know, she'd get you four Transformers, five Transformers. She would get me five Transformers and you knew you were getting all of them. <laughs> yeah. but, but the best thing about it, though, was, in know, you know, I maybe technically I should have outgrown playing with toys. At this point, but it still was a hell of a lot of fun opening toys with you on Christmas morning. And kind of, it, that was like my childhood. Like, I don't remember any Christmases before you were born, but I certainly remember all the ones after you were born. And I had a lot of fun. Like, we played and we, di- we I mean, whether it was mask. You remember that? Yeah. The, yeah. Mask, I um, transformers, GI Joes, whatever. I mean, we, we you know, the tr- Christmas tree became a playset set. It became yes. an action playset set that we just took over and dominated. And yeah. So I, I, I had a lot of, you know, in a weird way, I mean, you knew what you were doing. I have no doubt in my mind. You manipulated the entire world into thinking that you were sick. Poor me. Everybody has to get transformers cause I'm getting them so I can have them all. But uh, you know, I—I I mean, some of my best childhood memories were waking up on Christmas morning and playing with you. We always put GI Joes in
1: the in the tree and had them stationed around there and had our little action stations. And one of them was always always got lost or left behind. Every year, we forgot where we put them, and that was the one that was best camouflaged.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, God, who was Beachhead? Beachhead was the one I couldn't believe we lost Beachhead when you're in a tree, <laughs> so I had to buy another one. God, it pissed me off. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> All right, getting back to the lists then.
1: Um, next up on my list is Washington Square by Chris Isaac.
0: I'm writing a letter to say I still care, and I wish you were here. It's Christmas, and it's way past the late mass. I'm saying a prayer. I can picture you here last Christmas I know you're so far from home But you know that you're never alone I know you're so far away To your home safe again I'll just pray Oh, it's Christmas again. this is
1: just sort of an eclectic list and these don't necessarily represent our favorite Christmas songs. This one very well might be in my top five though. I loved this song since the first time I heard it and it's gotten better every time since. I just I love Chris Isaac's voice um, even though I'm not I'm not a big fan like I never really collected any of his like albums I didn't follow him or something but there was always just... I, I loved this song and the song Two Hearts that was at the ending credits of True Romance mm-hmm. uh, is one of my favorite songs of his. He's got that, that Roy Orbison style, like old surfer music, kind of like crooner voice. Um, <laughs> the song itself, it's it's a sad song it's about being far away from your loved ones at Christmas time I know during several live performances of the song he has dedicated this to uh, troops and and people in military service who are stationed overseas or and apart from their families I don't know if it was written specifically for that but I know he often plays it sort of with that angle um, which I think is a really kind of touching and, and important um, it's just it's a cool song it's not traditional it doesn't really it it doesn't feel like something. It's yeah, it's just a sweet, soft, sad, good Christmas song.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're you're right about that. And I think I think you you even have more of an affinity for Chris Isaac than I ever did. I mean, I've heard his stuff, but he I was never a fan. But this is a very tranquil track. It fits my themes about, you know, it's a dude writing a letter to his, you know, being alone on Christmas, that kind of thing. It's peaceful and it's melancholy and it's simple. My big takeaway from it was the second line of the song when he says, it's Christmas reminds me very much of Jan Terry's excuse me, Christmas. And I can't (laughs) get that out of my head. So this song is forever ruined because all I hear is Jan Terry, which by the way, folks, we will again post the video to that song, Jan Terry's excuse me, Christmas, and we'll probably post it every single year because it's a must watch for holiday viewers.
1: (laughs) Oh, so One of my favorite songs, but Ruined for You. (laughs) Ruined for me. Now I have to listen to it and not let that association ruin it for me. It's Christmas. Stop. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) I will hang up this call. (laughs)
2: And you'll go listen to both. What do you got next (laughs) Okay. All right. Next on my list. This one was the last minute switch. I made a switch. The the tempo and theme and, and, and speed of the song, I wanted to keep the same for my next song. But this one, I actually just recently, I added today to this list for this podcast. It's What Christmas Means to Me by Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. So this song, this this song even more so than Everybody's Waiting for the Man with the Bag. This song, first recorded in 1967, this has been covered dozens and dozens of times. Lots of people have done this. But again, no one can eclipse the original. This song is so full of energy and so full of life and joy and everything you want in a Christmas season to encompass. Ryan, the way you mentioned that Everybody's Waiting for the Man with the Bag should open a movie. This one here, What Christmas Means to Me the Stevie Wonder version could easily open any Christmas movie at any point, like just a montage of trees and shoppers and people moving around and snow easily could just encompass it. And the lyrics kind of perfectly capture what Christmas means to me as well. I mean, it's kind of, pro- it's, it's profound, but it's, it, that's just what it is. I mean, it's, it's, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. I, it's, it's, Definitely made a resurgence now because now I do see it or hear it in like on radio more than I did in the last couple of years. I one of my of all the Christmas playlists that I have and I have now eight of them, which I've talked about. (laughs) But I think the one that probably gets the most traction is my Motown Christmas uh, playlist. I probably listen to that far more than any of the others. And this song, this song easily is in the top five of that list per se. So this is one of my favorites of all time.
1: It's what I call a quintessential Christmas song. It, it should be played at every single Christmas party, no matter yeah. where you are or what you're yeah. doing. Um, and I put it like in the same category as Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You." That was on your yep. list last year. Yep. Um, like those two are sort of synonymous. They're, you have to play them. They they represent everything that is great about Christmas music and about the season. It's like you can't leave them off the list. No, that's uh, it. So, that's it. Yeah. It's, just
2: a, it's just a perfect, up-tempo, happy, fun Christmas song for a party. Perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. <laughs> shifting gears a little bit. Next on my <laughs> list. Well, it's up-tempo still. Uh, we got Oi to the World by No
0: Doubt. Hunt you as a punk just like any other boy.
1: Alright, This song was actually written and first performed by the Vandals for a Christmas album in 1996. No doubt covered it for a very special Christmas Volume 3 just the next year, 1997, uh, but it was actually produced by the Vandals guitarist. And the song, if you read the lyrics, is kind of... it's hilarious. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a song about basically a gang fight slash race war <laughs> between Arabs and skinheads. <laughs> and how, at the end... The magic of Christmas, the the holy star kind of brings together these two like two fighters from either side. Uh, this guy named Haji and a, a skinhead named Trevor. Who after they get into a fight, they come together and they heal each other and they go out drinking together. And I just I, I love it because like at the like the culmination, there's a lyric on this that always stuck with me. It's on the roof with the nunchucks, Trevor broke a lot of bones, but Haji had a sword like the guy in Indiana Jones. I'm like, If you can reference the Indiana Jones scene in a Christmas song. Yeah. So, Man. <laughs> I, I love the song. I love the story. It's, it's funny. I love this version. It's just up-tempo. It's a fun kind of punk rockin' Scott type of song.
2: Scott, that's the word I was looking for. I was I was thinking about this all day today, and I was remember the bands like Sublime and all these bands that came. I couldn't think of the term for that. Thank you for answering that.
1: Yeah, they were big in the sky, kind of resurgence over there. Um, and there's a particular story that this song always kind of reminds me of. Again, going back to our our family, one year when I was in college, so this would have been early 2000s. Um, I came home for Christmas. You actually picked me up at the University of Iowa. You drove out there, <laughs> drove me home. And I could tell that something was up. And you're like, Mom needs you to do something. Mom's got a favor she needs to ask. I'm like, what is it? And you're like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's like, so, I'm like, what the hell is this? So when we get home, they she t- kind of tells me, it was like right around Christmas Eve or something. It's, I needed to carry out, fulfill a legacy, sort of a, a neighborhood tradition of somebody in the neighborhood had to dress up as Santa Claus for some little kids. Yeah. Um, our next door neighbor... Bob Smith had done it for me when I was a little kid. He came to the house, and I thought it was even though I was of the age, I was like, "This isn't the real Santa Claus." Right. I was like, "This is somebody else." But it it's also it felt I was like, he came to our front door. I get to hug him. I got a picture with him. So she's like, "They they need you to do this,"
2: and. Wasn't it the Pavankas' house? Wasn't it up the street at the Pavankas' house? It was the Pavankas' house,
1: yes. And the Pavankas were old family friends.
2: Mm -hmm. um, With lots of grandkids.
1: With lots of kids, lots of grandkids. They had a huge family, and they were the the nicest people. Absolutely. The patriarch of the family had recently died, um, but his wife, Diane, was, like, mom's best friend, and, like, she was almost offensively nice. Like just yeah. like the sweetest person. So when she asked, "Can you do this?" I was like, uh, do, yes, it. I can. You yeah. can't, you can't try." My... Um, but at the same time, I'm like, "I'm 22 years old. Why I, I can't? I'm like, why am I going to dress up as Santa?" So they gave me the costume. You gave me a couple of shots <laughs> of something. <laughs> I, don't, I, had to I don't get know, you in character. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I did, but it made my cheeks rosy. <laughs> <laughs> And we walked down the street because their house was at the end of the street. We walked down there. They led me down to the basement where, like, everybody was gathering, all the grandkids. And I, I said, ho, ho, ho. And I kind of did this thing, and I went around, and I sat with all of the kids, took pictures, kind of asked them pro forma, like, what do you want for Christmas, that whole type of thing. Yeah. And I don't know what was going on or what was in my head, but as I was leaving... I just ad-libbed. I was like, okay, Santa's got to go because there have been a lot of naughty children in the Middle East this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh again, this is like 2002 oh or something God. like that, and all the adults <laughs> were just kind of like, what did he say? <laughs> and I was like, anywho, that's my kid. I got to leave. So I go... <laughs> So I walk up the stairs and you follow me out and everything and they're like, "Thank you, thank you very much." And they're like, "That last bit was awkward, but it was it was fine." Thank you. So I walked out there and you walk out first and you are walking on the edge of the drive and I just I I stand outside, kind of like in the line. And it's there is snow covering it. It's it's crystal clear out. Uh, it's nighttime. You know, at this point it was like seven or eight at night. I take the hat off. I take the fake beard and I am just like taking a deep breath and just looking up at this starry night sky over snow-covered neighborhood and everything and everything is peaceful and I was just like I did something good I, I felt really proud of myself I felt really happy in that moment and then all of a sudden a snowball hits me in the throat <laughs> <laughs> And I almost went down. <laughs> and I, like, I like, catch myself and I look, and you're just laughing and cracking, <laughs> and starting to move down the street. And I start, I chased you down the street. I'm like half-sliding because you, you hit me in the throat with a snowball. <laughs>
2: I was, like, yeah, well, yeah, well, I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to steer away from that conversation, but let's just remember, I, I, I had one hell of a percentage uh, inaccurate percentage of hitting people in the face with snowballs around Christmas time.
1: I, at least I wasn't throwing up this time, like the, uh, like our other friend who shall remain nameless.
2: Yeah, that was that was one of the greatest moments of my life was being able to throw a snowball probably. 40 yards at one of my friends who was bent down by a dumpster puking on New Year's Eve. And right when he lifted his head up to catch his air and be like, Oh, bam, I hit him in the face with an ice ball and his nose blew up with blood and everything. And it was, it was just, it was, (laughs) that was, that was one of my proudest moments in life. I don't think it's ever gotten better, but I, I do. I very much recall this night. First of all, you look pretty damn good in that suit. I'm gonna point that out. You look good in that suit. But as much as you had that profound moment of looking up at the star and and feeling like, I mean, it's a, you know, it's Christmas, so you kind of you, you know, it's like the year end kind of thing. We take a lot in, we re- we we reflect and think about this stuff. And you did something wonderful, and I thought that was great. And all I was thinking about was I'm finally gonna hook up with Denise Pavarka. I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's finally into me now. <laughs> all
1: right. What is next on your list?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So next on my list is Where Are You Christmas from Faith Hill.
0: Where are you?
2: from Ron Howard and Jim Carrey's live action movie The Cringe this song was was, believe it or not this song was first recorded by Mariah Carey who they wanted because of uh, All I Want for Christmas is You and she recorded it but they couldn't release it Due to some I, some lawsuit, I, I looked this up on Wikipedia, some lawsuit with her ex-husband, Tommy Mottola, who was producing, she would split from him, and he was producing, he was something to do with the music from Universal for this movie. So they they couldn't release the, the version of her, and I've never heard it. I would love to hear it, but I've never heard it. So anyway, they brought in Faith Hill at the last minute. Faith Hill recorded it. Now... Here's the deal with it. First of all, the song's beautiful. It's a pretty ballad. It's beautiful. If people remember the movie, it's it's when Cindy Lou Who is kind of like looking out at the stars, wondering what happened with Christmas. When did it get so commercialized? Where is the spirit and all this stuff? I mean, it's just beautiful. But I had adamantly refused to see this movie when it came out because, once again, I was brand loyal to the cartoon. And I, because the, the the Dr. Seuss Grinch cartoon with uh, who, Lon Chaney was, was so wrapped, I was so enveloped in that, I would not go see the Grinch movie. And again, you know me. We've talked about this yep, before yep, on yep. certain podcasts. There is absolutely no reason for me to actually feel that way. But for some reason, I decided I could not see it. And I was adamant. Nope. Never going to see it. I'm not going to like it. Even though it was a hit. It was a huge hit. But anyway, so I refused to see it. Now the more popular the film got as it came out it was a smash hit and the more i hated it without even seeing it and and only a couple years ago i finally saw it i got finally pressured and bullied into it i think it was by alexia to be honest with you but she finally got me to see it i watched it on tv and it's a pretty damn good movie it was cute and i was like yeah i had no real reason to think but here's the weird thing and this is why i wanted to talk about this song for about 10 years Prior to having seen this movie, I was a big, big fan of the goth LA rock group, The Pretty Reckless. Now, if people aren't familiar with it, The Pretty Reckless is a female-fronted goth punk rock band dirty LA kind of grungy sound, like a female front of guns and roses kind of thing with a little bit more of a modern, like a little bit more like a, a electronica and stuff now, but I've seen them in LA fi- live about three or four times. And I always thought the lead singer of this group was super hot, but not like model hot, but like in that kind of dirty, slutty strung out heroin rock hot. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Everybody knows that look. Well, anyway, the lead singer's name was Taylor Momsen and Alexia one night had told me, Hey, that band, the, the girl in the band, you like? And I was like, yeah, she's like Taylor Momsen. She's in the Grinch movie. And I'm like, no way. You gotta be kidding me. Really? And that was, I mean, she had kind of manipulated me into seeing the movie. Cause this was before I ever saw the Grinch. So I finally broke down that wall, my barrier and said, okay, I'll watch the Jim Carrey movie, the Grinch, blah, 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 blah. So, we watched the movie and I'm like kind of watching it and I'm kind of like looking in the background at all the who's and wondering like when's the like the seductress, you know, slutty neighbor, you know, whatever kind of going to come out in this movie. And I'm looking for somebody that looks like Taylor Momsen. And I couldn't find anybody that did it. And then all of a sudden, seven year old Cindy Lou Who starts singing this song. <laughs> and it only then dawned on me for the first time. I'm like, wow, I hadn't taken into account age gaps in the amount of time that this movie had been out before I ever saw it. Taylor Momsen was a seven-year-old playing Cindy Lou Who in this movie. And this was the girl that I thought was super sexy and hot. So needless to say, I, I can't unseen what I've seen. So the point is, I bring this up because now I have to literally disconnect the two people as if they're two different actresses. I can't pretend. I mean, I have to pretend that Cindy Lou Who was played by a different Taylor Momsen, somebody with the same name than the girl that fronts the Pretty Reckless. And I can't pretend, I can't listen to the Pretty Reckless if I think about Cindy Lou Who. <laughs> so I've got to completely disconnect this. And it makes me feel like a gross, grody, drunk uncle kind of thing that's like, oh, it's just wrong. But anyway, the point is, the movie was actually pretty good. <laughs> she did a pretty good job with it. And this song is actually beautiful. And I love this song. and I love what it means. And I love it when it's sung by Faith Hill and not, A seven-year-old named Taylor Momsen. (laughs) Uh, I don't know where to follow (laughs) that. I think you shouldn't. I think you should just move on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) All right. Uh, We've each got one more song on our list, but before we get to those, uh, as I promised at the top of the show, listeners, we want to give back to you guys. So we're actually going to do a few shout-outs to some of the songs that we got suggested or recommended to us by you guys. Um... The first one that I want to mention, Kyle Benning reached out to me on Twitter actually after we posted the first episode, and then again about a month ago, and he recommended the Honky Tonk Christmas album by (laughs) Alan Jackson. And he kind of told me, he's like, I know this probably isn't your type of music, but the sound of these Christmas songs might be up your alley. So I gave it a listen, and I actually, I really enjoyed it. Uh, The whole album, first of all, I appreciate its brevity. (laughs) Right. It's only ten songs, and they're each about two and a half minutes long, so it's like a half-an-hour album. I actually listened to the whole thing while I was putting up Christmas lights around my deck, like, before Thanksgiving. They've got, like, a, a sort of tongue-in-cheek kind of self-deprecating humor, like, I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus, and that's why my parents aren't together anymore, that type of attitude kind of thing. so right. um, so the song that I did want to mention in particular is the song If You Don't Want to See Santa Claus Cry
0: And I'd bet my Christmas stocking If my waist don't come knocking He's gonna be So baby, come home If you don't want to see Santa Claus cry
1: And the thing about this one is it it just has like this kind of bluesy feel. Mm -hmm. It it reminds me of a song that you just hear in a a sort of towny bar or a dive bar with the drunks and the people who don't have family at Christmas. If you remember the movie The Ref, one of our favorite Christmas movies, The Ref, um the scene when Dennis Larry calls his buddy at like, <laughs> down at like a bar down by like the docks or whatever his friend Murray remember?
2: Murray's? oh god yeah and Murray's afraid to answer the phone is there a worthless
1: <laughs> piece of life named Murray at the bar um this seems like the kind of song that would be in the background there
2: yeah I I agree with you I think that this was a great choice a great shout out it's I've only recently started to build up my country music playlist, and I'll be honest with you, it's kind of fettered with a lot more modern country, which seems very pop. You know, I don't really, I never really got much into the honky-tonk kind of era of country and the old Glenn Campbell and stuff like that. But this song has that feel, and it's still... It strikes me as a good song, you know. It's got that. It's like you said, it's kind of a towny dive bar Christmas Eve thing, but it's got like you like you could grab the person you're next to and slow dance yeah. to this song. It's got that kind of vibe, and it's for for me being kind of trying to get into country because I write more country music now, but not really being a fan of the the classic era. This is this is pretty good, and this this gets me to. I mean, this this is a good song and made me listen to the album. All right, what do you got? Okay, so, and again, the feedback was phenomenal. I wish we could do, you know, maybe someday we'll do a whole show on all the mentions that people gave us, and we don't have enough time to do them all. But the one that really struck me the most was submitted by Ben Perlman, and it's Christmas wrapping by The Waitresses. Bah,
0: humbug, that's too strong, cause it is my favorite holiday. But all this year's been a busy year. don't think I have the energy. Red, am I already mad rush, just cause it's- Season. The perfect gift for me would be completions and connections left from last year. Ski shop encounter, most interesting. Add his number, but never the time. Most of anyone pass along those lines, so jack those halls. Trim those trees, raise up cups of Christmas cheer. I just need to catch my breath. Christmas by myself this year.
2: This one, I want to, first of all, I got to thank Ben, because he submitted a couple Really, really good ideas. But he reminded me about this track after last year's episode. I hadn't heard this one in years. I was familiar with it, but I hadn't heard about it in years. And I think – I, I, God, I hate to say it. I think the first – the last version I heard was the Spice Girls or maybe like <laughs> Kylie Minogue or something. But it was the, – and the Spice Girls, <laughs> Brian, it's pretty damn good. It's a pretty, pretty good version of it. Um, but I love the original. And it came out in 1981. It was originally inspired. I I found it very much inspired by like Blondie's Rapture. That's the connection that I kind of made with it, which I think came out in 79 or something, which is credited as being the first rap song (laughs) to break the top 40 or something. This has very much that same feel. It's a female kind of, it's like a New York hipster kind of rapping lyrics as she goes through it, and it's which was very very big in New York at the time, uh, which was right at the culmination, you know, the birthplace of hip hop. Really, I mean, this was before like Grandmaster Flash and all those things kind of came out right around the '80s. But for me, the best part about this song is that this is like an ode to everyone that hates Christmas. In my opinion, like when you listen to the lyrics and strip it down, it's really – it's it's not a feel-good song about the joy of the season. This is like for those trying to survive and get it over with. And so for all the stuff that we talk about and all the people, there are people out there that listen to our show that are going to be like, I hate Christmas. You've already mentioned one. Um This is one of those songs where there's a place for everybody. This song is for (laughs) like, can you imagine working in retail at like, you know, the month of December? This would be the song that you would want to sing on your way home.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice, nice. Um, All right, then just uh, two more songs that we got. Uh, One is "Maybe This Christmas" by Ron Sexsmith, which was recommended
0: by David A. Gutierrez. Maybe this Christmas. And then the Chipmunks song by The Chipmunks
1: with (laughs) David Seville, which was recommended by Brian Linton. Uh, Anything you want to say about the Chipmunks song?
2: Uh, No, just uh, not much other than the fact that it's one of the first Christmas songs that I actually had of my own, of my own accord. I remember having a Chipmunks album, The Christmas with the Chipmunks. And that was one of the things that I could play on the phonograph myself, you know, and drop the needle and play the actual stuff. I, you know, I I, I don't have much more to add about it. But I think what's great about this was this is because this was before I ever saw a cartoon of them. I'd never seen what they looked like. So I just had the album. But the album, in this song in particular, painted the picture of their characters so well. Alvin was established as the smartass. He was the the punk. He was the badass and all this stuff. And I thought this was just – this was great because then years later in the 80s and stuff, when they had a cartoon, it all made sense. I saw that the depictions were very accurate. And Ryan, do you remember the 1981 Christmas special that they had, the Golden Echo Harmonica? Yes. Okay. I thought you would. (laughs) And then Um, the
1: boy who could – the Golden Echo Harmonica. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The Harmonica. (laughs) No, the reason I point that out is because, they, first of all, this is one of the great Christmas classics that not many people remember or talk about. But this was a half-hour Christmas special. Um, Alvin has a sick friend that's in the hospital, yep, and Alvin's yep. distracted and wants to get something for him. Anyway, they're in a recording studio trying to sing this Christmas song, and Alvin's distracted because he's thinking about his sick friend, and Dave's mad at him, and blah, blah, blah. But he says, Alvin, you're singing a little flat." And the thing I love about that was that was a callback to the original, the Chipmunks version from like the 50s or whatever it was when it came out. I thought that was awesome because in this one he says, Alvin, you're a little flat. So I thought that was just a great callback.
1: All right then. Let us move on to our final songs of this list. My selection, <laughs> I warned you guys a year ago. I said every every, every,
0: <laughs> every volume
1: of A Very Daily Christmas could include a version of <laughs> Oh Holy Night, and I wasn't kidding. Um, I also talked about how much the melody and the music of the song affects me more so than the actual text of the, the lyrics, of the language. Um, And for that, I actually picked an instrumental version this time. This is O Holy Night, performed by Trombone Shorty with the Tipitina Foundation Musicians. Alright, Trombone Shorty is a New Orleans-based musician. His real name is Troy Andrews. This song originally appeared on the Christmas episode of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And NBC actually made the song available for download after that. Um, And that was an Aaron Sorkin-produced and written show.
2: Great show, great
1: show. Yeah. And if you follow Aaron Sorkin's career, one thing to note is that he is masterful at his Christmas special episodes, like the yes, Christmas he episodes is. of every show. You're right. Yeah, they're always from Sports Night, West Wing, Studio 60. They're all right. In fact, he won an Emmy for writing the first Christmas episode of The West Wing, and the first three years of The West Wing. They won the Emmy for Best Supporting Actor, three different actors each year, based on their performances in the Christmas episode. It became wow. a staple. First Richard Schiff, then Bradley Whitford, and then John Spencer. Uh, and John Spencer, who who got the last one, his Christmas episode, I I can still wa- I cry at the end of that episode, and I've seen it like thirteen times. Um, <laughs> it's just this beautiful moment at the end. But this song has a sort of similar effect. And and the whole deal is this was after Kirk Katrina in the mid-2000s, and there are all these displaced New Orleans-based musicians that are coming to L.A. and trying to get work and trying to like pick up on some of like the jazz bands with The, the Tonight Show and Jay Leno's band and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And they make this deal where they bring all these guys together and have them perform for the show within a show's Christmas thing. Yeah, um, like the
2: Marcellus Brothers, right? When, exactly, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And they do this version of Oh Holy Night. It's at the end. It starts off with just this, this one guy playing his trombone as a solo. Eventually the band comes in, but this music just... Oh my god, it's so beautiful. I just... I love this. I'll listen to this all the time. And there's a point just before the rest of the band kicks in, where the horns just reach some note, some pitch. I don't know how to explain it, but... It almost brings me to tears every time. Still, I love it so much.
2: Yeah, what's what's awesome about this is first of all, this is. I, I hope our listeners are familiar with last year's episode, or go back and listen to it again, because I think you actually touched on the fact that the vocal note at the same point of the song. Last year, you mentioned how much that moves you and makes you cry. Yeah, So it's it's the same point of the song. It's just that this was done with horns. Um, I'm not going to add, there's not a whole lot more I can add to it. You pretty much hit the nail on the head, and I love this song. I love this version. I'm just going to point out that this, you actually reminded me of this particular song and this wasn't previously on my jazz instrumental Christmas playlist, and it is now. And I absolutely remember it from that episode. I remember how cool it was, and I don't remember it being available before then, so I just completely forgot about it. And I'm glad when you told me that you were going to do this for the show. Yeah, this absolutely, because I've got a great jazz instrumental playlist, which is for just strictly for background music. You know, it's, there's no vocals. It's all instrumentals, lots of horns, lots of jazz. This song is fantastic, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah.
1: all right then that means we got one song left what do you got brother
2: <laughs> all right i don't know how many people are going to be familiar with this one if you're not from chicago you might not know this one but trust me you're going to know it after tonight i'm going <laughs> with hard rock coco and joe from
0: i don't know who sang it but it was on the bozo the clown show
1: now listen my children and
0: you shall hear a story fantastic a story so queer it's all about Santa and his helpers three. There's Hard Rock and Coco and Joe. Now hart's the driver up there by his
2: sleigh. Coco reads maps and he shows him the way. Though old Santa
0: really has no need for Joe, but takes him cause he loves him so. Oh, old lady, oh, lady, aye.
2: Donner and
0: Blitzen, away, away. Oh, little lady, oh, lady. I'm Hard Rock. I'm Coco. I'm Joe. And Santa is busy.
2: So this, as I mentioned, this is, you got to, I don't know if you have to be a Chicagoan to actually know this song, but I'm pretty sure we staked ownership of it. This was from a black and white 1951 stop motion animation short, which was about a minute and a half long. And it was made by a Chinese cartoonist. Hence the reason if you look at the video, like all the, all the, the characters look slightly Asian, <laughs> yeah. but this was a big, big event for us growing up because it was a staple in December of the Bozo the Clown show, which we watch, or the Bozo show, or they, cha- they changed names a bunch of times. Bozo and Cookie, I think it was called a couple of times too, but we watched this every morning growing up. Outside of Chicago before school, this was what we watched and you I remember because we always had to wait until they did the bozos buckets, the the six buckets thing and then that was when okay it's time to go to school now, because you always wanted to see if somebody could get it in. But this was just amazing because apparently, none of the bozo shows are archived anywhere something happened where they weren't recorded or they burned down or something, the masters, there is no way to watch any Bozo, the clown shows. And this show ran this Bozo, the clown ran for like 50 years or something from black and white days up through us in the, in in the eighties and stuff. But this was a really big deal. And I remember mom introducing us to this and they did three of them. There were three shorts. There was hard rock cocoa and Joe. And then there was Susie snowflake. And then there was frosty. And these were like, real I mean 1949 1950 era animation they were just they were (laughs) they were very rudimentary let's just say that but there was something about this song that I just thought was great because Hard Rock Coco and Joe are apparently the three sleigh drivers that go with Santa on his journey as he delivers presents everywhere. And in the song, what you basically learn is that Santa's helpers, two of them are useful. The other one (laughs) Santa brings because he feels sorry for him. (laughs) It's it's just, it's so it's just, it's just classic. I mean, the song kind of speaks for itself that's about it but this I thought was a fitting way to close it do you have any thoughts on this song I
1: completely forgot about this until you brought it up and then I was like oh my god I'm hard rock I'm Coco I'm I'm (laughs) Joe and I was like yes I was like this was Bozo this was like that cartoon that they used to show on the Christmas special it was this one and Susie Snowflake were the two that I remember and you're right yeah this was a a WGN staple every year and I kind of took it for granted I was like is this just? I mean, has anybody else heard from this? If they're not from the Midwest or from our area, I, don't I know. doubt
2: it. I kind of, I kind of doubt it. That's why I, I hope we can turn people on to it. Maybe in the comments section, we can post a YouTube click uh, link to the video, yeah, so absolutely. that people know what we're talking about. But this is, this is, a, you know, I, I hope people discover it after tonight because this was, this was a very much an important part of the fabric of my childhood growing up around Christmas time. I remember this was a big deal. And when we knew they were going to air it, you know, at some point in the morning, we'd be late to school waiting for it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, good. Good.
2: All right. Well, that's, that brings us to the
1: end of a very daily Christmas volume two. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Thank you again for doing this. Uh, this is always a lot of fun. And I realized like we had stories that we talked about, bringing into this episode before we started recording that yeah. we didn't even make it into this. So we've still got tons more material. Obviously, there's a ton of songs that we couldn't. And listeners, you saw what we did with this episode. We incorporated some of your suggestions. I know, I mean, we had a conversation in the feedback on the website for the first one about Elvis songs. Yeah, and we still right. didn't get into any Elvis songs. I'm going to rectify that next year, I promise. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah this was just uh, continue to do what you did like if you like this episode let us know facebook twitter the website any other new christmas songs that you've heard or any other christmas stories that you want to shout out or mention let us know because we had fun like i went back and reread all of your feedback in preparation for this one yeah and it was such a treat just like looking at that stuff again and reminding it's it's a really cool experience for this
2: Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I echo all those sentiments. This was of all the podcasts that I've been, you know, privy to join you with uh, that you've asked me to be a part of, or whatever, you know, which have been all great joys and a lot of fun to do them. This one, I think, was this one kind of touched me the most. First of all, it's it's about a subject that I. I don't know why in particular, but just we've always had a really strong connection to Christmas and the music and stuff like that. But again, we talked about it at the top of the show and I'm going to, I'm going to say it again. Now this wouldn't nearly be as fun as it has been without the interactive audience that we're, that we're lucky enough to kind of do this with. So I I appreciate all the people going on this journey with us and I hope to, you know, we hope to make it even more so as we go forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Uh, yeah, um, this is the Daily Brothers again, wishing everybody happy holidays and Merry Christmas, and hope you enjoy the music, hope you have a safe holiday season, uh, take care and spread some goodwill and joy to others. Fire & Water Records is a proud part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for this show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com as well as Facebook and
2: Twitter. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters this year. For information on how you can support the Fire & Water podcast network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts.
1: And if you like this show but you don't wish to support us through Patreon, please go to iTunes and leave a nice five-star review for Fire & Water Records. Every review helps iTunes push this podcast to a wider and wider audience.
2: All music clips and quoted lyrics are used for entertainment purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for listening,
2: and happy holidays. Happy holidays.